Welcome back, everyone, to 2020 Psych. I'm one of your hosts, Claire Kay, and I'm joined today by my father. I'll go ahead and let him introduce himself. My name is Dr. Hernandez. I'm a double board certified psychiatrist. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this season that we've had, talking all about COVID-19, vaccines, side effects, and following our journey with COVID. This week, we are going to take a bit of a turn and dive into something that is equally as important, if not more so now than ever, which is eating disorders, whether they've risen because of the pandemic, as well as some of the effects that the, some of the effects that have um, kind of come to the forefront in conversations surrounding COVID-19. Before we get into that, let's just first talk about the upcoming uh, uh, sort of a monumental historic day in the United States, and that's the the phone number for psychiatric emergencies, a crisis line, which is going to be 988, which will be debuting on the 24th of this month. So that's a big day for us here, and it's, it's something that I feel has been long overdue. And uh, I'm sure that many people will be using this number and it'll be really a life-saving uh, resource as 9-11 has. So anyway, I, th I just thought we'd put that announcement out because I think it's going to be a, a historic uh, date. But with that, I want to go ahead and begin our discussion on eating disorders, um, how they've risen in the pandemic, as well as if there's any specific groups that it's risen in as well as kind of the overall effects of our body image as it um, pertains to being in lockdown. Our focus is going to be today on, on children and the emergence of eating disorders, uh, particularly in the ages of 8 to 14, which is the time when uh, anorexia usually comes out in kids. So we're going to talk a little bit about why that is uh, some of the experts, and there's a, an article that came out in the Wall Street Journal this past weekend, which is particularly interesting and enlightening. Uh, they're pointing out that between the ages of 8 to 14, um, many children have developed uh, anorexic symptoms, and it's, it's essentially because they're, they're bored. Schools have shut down, organized sports have been canceled, and kids feel that there's, quote, nothing else to do but exercise and stare at their bodies in the mirror so this has been a uh, something that has been r has risen dramatically during the pandemic where it's re it's reached crisis proportions and they're reporting in in some of the er's that children are, are walking in with dangerously low heart rates and fainting because they are eating so little I want to talk about that quote that you brought up of uh, there's nothing else to do but exercise and look at your body in the mirror. I think it's, yeah, I'm glad we're having this conversation because obviously, I'm trying to word this in a correct way, but it's not a bad thing to care about your health. It's, the f it's not a bad thing to exercise and move your body every day. And these habits that we've encouraged on our podcast of moving your body, making sure you're eating healthy and all of that just to promote a healthy lifestyle aren't inherently bad things. But I think right now 
you mentioned that it's a sp- anorexia has kind of ri- risen specifically amongst children and I think that the contributing factor in this more so than anything else is social media and Instagram, TikTok. I, I, I'm not sure how much they talk about that in these studies that you're reading, but I feel like most majority of kids have, especially in those age ranges, 8 to 14, have access to smartphones, have access to social media apps, and they're online in a combination of just being alone at home with themselves, not um, looking at themselves in the mirror, exercising. They're also then going on their phones and looking at Instagram, which is photoshopped pictures of models and unrealistic standards of beauty that just see are actually humanly impossible. And when you compare original photos to the photos that are posted on Instagram, you can clearly see the Photoshop in them and all the editing work that that's been done to modify the body to the point where it's not even physically possible to look like that. So I think that is definitely a big contributing factor to why eating disorders have risen, especially amongst youth. Well, it's interesting that we have promoted exercise and nutrition, but that's a way to sort of deal with the stress of, of the pandemic it's it's always a good idea to exercise and watch what we eat pandemic or no pandemic however kids are, are restricting what they eat and are losing weight in an, in, a, in an attempt to deal with the uncertainty of the pandemic uh, th- there's a f- very few things that they can control during the pandemic but one of the things that they can't control is, is what they what they eat and so there's some psychodynamic issues that revolve around that but what's happening here is that kids are are using these unhealthy coping strategies to to deal with the pandemic so as parents we need to help our kids cope in better ways and we need to get our kids help when we feel that they're going down this path where it's dangerous for their health i have a question and that is, if you don't develop anorexia between the ages of 8 to 14, what is the likelihood of you developing it later on in life? Well, the highest risk group is 15 and 19-year-old girls. That's when the, the incidence of anorexia nervosa is at its highest. So as a parent, do you th- what do you do? How do you approach a situation of your child is not eating they're or they're eating less or they're not eating their favorite foods anymore or they're just yeah if you start noticing these behavioral changes these extreme behavioral changes in your child what is what would you say is the best way to approach that well what research is showing is that a lot of the mental health that kids are exhibiting or the the way they're coping is basically on the cues that they get from their parents so as parents you have to have a lot of stability during these difficult and challenging times so the more stressed out a parent is the more irritable the more um, unsteady or unstable the parent is 
This is going to be reflected in the kids' uh, behavioral health. So it's important for kids, for parents to watch, monitor themselves. And if they're having issues coping, they need to get help because it's going to take a toll on their kids. And so that's really sort of the, what we're looking at as the cause of, the, of what's occurring here is that the kids are, are suffering because they're, they're not seeing that stability in their parents. And so it's something that we need to focus on as parents, our own mental health, so that our kids are not affected and become uh, anxious, depressed, and so forth. So uh, it's, it's a sort of a family issue here. In a way, would you say that kids are mirrors of their parents, whether that's their anxieties, their flaws, their wh whatever it is, would you say that they're mirrors? To a certain extent, yes. You, we have to realize that as parents, our kids look up to us for guidance and they look up to us for leadership. And if we're lacking in these areas, it's going to take a toll on them because who else are they supposed to look up to? So if we're not coping well, and if we're stressed out, if we're in tears, if we're in shambles, if we're uh, in great, a great deal of emotional distress, our kids are going to pick up on that, and they need us to be strong for them. And if we're not that, then they will uh, suffer, and they will display symptoms of anxiety and depression and uh, also have be irritable and uh, have their own issues that uh, are going to reflect what the household's like. Does anorexia follow you into adulthood if you develop it at an early age? Or what? Like, what's the treatment for it? And uh, does it lower your life expen expectancy even if you do recover? Anorexia nervosa carries the highest mortality of any psychiatric diagnosis, and it's very difficult to treat. Nobody really has a handle on how to treat anorexia nervosa. The prognosis is, is again, very poor. And I wish I could tell you that it's based on a certain type of a treatment modality that'll get a patient better. So, but there isn't, there really isn't any evidence-based treatment for the for anorexia nervosa. And why do doctors kind of avoid it, as as common as it seemingly is amongst youth and that this, that, and the other thing? Why is it that it's kind of avoided for so? Yeah, why is it avoided? because it's so difficult to treat. And I don't think, I think most clinicians try to avoid it because they they, they know that the prognosis is, is, is grim. Uh, and I think that's, I, I think that's really the bottom line here is that clinicians don't like treating conditions that they know they're not gonna succeed in. So I think that's probably w what leads to such a poor prognosis because again, clinicians don't really know what to do with it. I want to talk about because we what bringing back to what you mentioned earlier about parents and I want to bring up coping and this is something that I was going to ask was just about um, we've mentioned on the podcast before that people have gained weight the pandemic 15 pandemic 30 whichever it is uh, for some people and I maybe this plays into the fact that eating disorders are on the rise because I've noticed that there's a way to deflect the pain of realizing that you as a person have gained weight is with humor 
and saying, you know, just little off jokes about gaining the quarantine 15 and drinking more often and you only you only get up to go to the fridge and you don't know you people don't remember what exercise is anymore do you think that that kind of way of coping with humor and deflection is subconsciously affecting the way people are it's like affecting the their relationship with food and how they view food in a, in a more negative way well i think that waking has always been in some cases attributed to some uh, depressive states where instead of eating little some people overeat there's a certain type of depression a melancholic depression that's characterized by that so it can be a, an inappropriate uh, coping strategy uh, where people uh, indulge in food uh, as opposed to uh, dealing with uh, their stress in more healthy ways so again people will cope in inappropriate ways such as drinking using drugs uh, indulging in, in, in things that are just not going to be good for them obviously and food is one of those things so um, you know this the term comfort food because you know when you eat certain types of food it sort of makes you feel uh, better in the sense that it you'll re you'll remember your uh, your childhood maybe the foods that your parents or your grandparents used to cook for you your some of those favorite meals and and people will focus on those kind of things uh, but really uh, it, it's it's not a, an appropriate uh, coping skill uh, but again uh, that's what people have been resorting to trying to get through the pandemic in whichever way they can and what about the families that, you know, don't really have that traditional nuclear family set up of they're eating dinner at the table every night, eating their meals together during quarantine, those kids that are kind of in those broken homes or just parents that have constantly need to work and aren't there to sit with them for their meals? How, what do you think that kind of toll takes on a child right now? Well, we have to remember that during the pandemic, it's brought a lot of difficult, challenging times to the entire country, if not the world. And there's a lot of people that don't have food, the people that are living in poverty, that they, things that many of us take for granted, being able to have food up for every meal, not everybody has that. And so some kids will skip meals because they simply don't have food and and that's so sad but it's the reality so those are you know the pandemic has affected us in so many ways and uh, some of the harshest ways are, are the economic tolls that it's taken on, on on people and what is this the the ink the rise in eating disorders amongst kids what is it doing on their mental health because you said that they're going into the emergency room with uh what lower heart rates and on the verge of fainting and things like that and so when they're going to the hospital what what's happening like what are doctors telling families of what to do well again that's a good question because what's the treatment for this and we just went over that the the treatment really is is not very good the outcomes are poor so what 
Some clinicians can at least offer is treating some symptoms that are a little more treatable, such as depression and anxiety. So um, you have to f try to focus on some aspects of their care that you can deal with and help out with. So uh, it, of course, when patients come in with these dangerously low heart rates, they have to get stabilized with uh, different medical interventions, first and foremost. Uh, but then afterwards, what do you do once they're medically stable? Then how do you keep them from relapsing, from continuing on the on that eating disorder pathway? That's a good question, and, and I don't think anybody has a, a very good answers for that. Uh, yeah, I'm just like sitting here thinking about, you know, the U.S. is pretty wealthy country, and I, I find the phenomenon the phenomenon really interesting of. I would love to see like what the eating disorder rate is amongst adults in the U.S. Consider like, just find it so interesting. Like, we have seemingly an abundance of food. Fast doesn't make necessarily make it good food, but fast food options and this, you know, I I forgot how many thousands of pounds of uh, produce they threw out over this past year because of the pandemic. And I just find it really interesting that you would think that a country like the U.S. who can has the potential, all the means, all the resources to provide food for every person living in the U.S. And yet there's so many eating disorders, rates of obesity as well. Like I, I just an interesting study, I feel like. Well, my own thoughts on anorexia nervosa is I think it's like a psychotic disorder really because it's so unrealistic when you look that at patients that are sort of a, that are emaciated not sort of but they are thoroughly completely emaciated and then they'll pull a little skin over their hip and say look I still got some fat right here I mean it's insane uh, and I think it borders on the psychotic if not thoroughly psychotic in and of itself uh, but again those are just my own views on it and again it's so hard to deal with um, and uh, Clinicians tend to avoid patients with anorexia like the plague. They really do. What else have children suffered from in response to the COVID-19 and being at home? Well, Harvard University has, researchers have found out that kids from ages ranging from 7 to 15 have two two-thirds of them have clinically significant symptoms of anxiety and depression, including other behavioral issues such as hyperactivity and inattention. And this is a huge jump from the 30% and 20% of behavioral symptoms prior to the pandemic. So this is what the kids are exhibiting now, uh, a great deal of depression and anxiety and other behavioral issues that are, you know, sort of stem from just the stress of the pandemic um, that can that in, that has included family members dying, and the parents losing jobs, going into poverty. These are extreme stressors, and other experts have pointed out that yes, there are stressors. We always have had stressors, but the length, the amount of stressors, and for the amount of time that we've been having to go through these stressors is unprecedented. So it's really a lot for kids to cope with. I mean, it's difficult for adults. And you, it's just hard to imagine what it must be like for the kids. This must seem like an eternity for them of having one traumatic event after the after another, um, and it just seems like it's endless. 
So it's just it's just a hard time for a lot of people. Yeah, I think I've spoke on that before of just like kids could probably feel are probably feeling really powerless right now. Their depend their livelihoods are dependent on the immediate adults around them and then also the adults that are leading our state and our country. And there's been a lack of consistent guidance and consistent leadership and it's hard I'm sure it's I mean for me it's hard being a 23 year old trying to plan a future I can't imagine what it's like to be 14 right now and trying to come up with oh my what are my aspirations in life what am I trying to achieve what am I trying to become in this world I can't imagine well I just want to underscore that it's felt by the experts in it that the biggest driver of child well-being during COVID is how the parents are functioning so again it's up to the parents to show leadership to show guidance to show uh, to be self-assured to role model for the kids as hard as it may be that as parents we need to be strong for our kids because they look up to us for uh, their own self-assurance and their own well-being so again for the parents we, we need to be strong for our kids Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed our discussion. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a great day wherever you are.